Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to b o l l and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome, Foxborough football fans, to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI-FM in Boston, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Boy, do we have a doozy of a Pats preview pod for you guys today. It's your old pals Nick Fitzy-Stevens alongside Andy Jumbo Hart, and we're going to go right behind enemy lines to get things started today. Joining us from the side of the road because... He was so fired up to get into this episode and help preview this game between the worst red zone offense against the worst red zone defense <laughs> that he's like, I'm going to pull over by the side of the road and talk to these guys. He's so fired up. He is the co-host of Wolf and Luke weekdays, 10 to two mountain time on 98.7 FM, Arizona sports. And he is the pre and post game for the Arizona Cardinals, as well as the coyotes. Uh, Andy, we are joined today by Mr. Luke Lipinski. What up, Luke? Thanks for joining us. What's going on, guys? How you doing up there? Uh, have you seen Have you seen our <laughs> offense? <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking to somebody who lives in Phoenix who just saw the Celtics last night and oh. is going to have to deal with the Bruins tomorrow. So I'm, I'm just kind of getting, um, I don't know, I'm getting used to Boston sports here for the next few days. Are you kind of getting mass-holed right now? Like, you're just like, enough of you, you insufferable people. The game last night wasn't great. I will give you that from a uh, from a Phoenix Suns perspective. That's what, for sure. What it wasn't happened? great? It was forty five points at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, that's not great. NBA. <laughs> I know, and and it was funny, you know, because because Luke, that you know, no one is ever going to sympathize with a Boston sports fan after the last twenty some odd years, like the century of dominance. It's entitled town, the championships, duck boats, etc. Um, but I feel like we are now officially in. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but Boston sports is sort of in the this is why you can't have nice things phase of our existence because it's a night where the Bruins dominate the Colorado Avalanche. It's a night where the Celtics dominate the Phoenix Suns. And you're thinking like, all right, here we go. Building a little momentum, feeling ourselves. Here we go. And then everyone's favorite member of the Red Sox goes and signs a ridiculous deal with the San Diego Padres. So it's like you can get two nice things, but we're going to take something better from you. Yeah, by the way, thanks for letting that guy venture over to the NL West, too. That'll make things even worse for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> okay, so let's stick with the negativity here. Um, yes, let's do it. As you notice, it works for us. Yeah, we do a little negative. Um, which of the quarterbacks and offenses and offensive play callers are more dysfunctional? Because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen both of these two quarterbacks in this game screaming at either their play caller, their receivers, the sidelines, F-bombs. We know Mac Jones is not happy. We know he has regressed. What the hell is going on with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and that offense? Uh, I mean, it's a much different relationship here, obviously, because, and, and you know, Cliff Kingsbury has told us this in the past when things were going well. It's, it's more of a new age, peer-to-peer -peer relationship between the coach, who's really not that old, and the quarterback. Uh, as opposed to having Mac Jones and Bill Belichick, I'm sure. So it, it's it's just a different dynamic here. 
And when it's working, when you're seven and zero and ten and two, like they were last year, everybody's like, "Oh, that's cool. Look how well that works." <laughs> when you can't win a game and you've won five of your last eighteen, which they have now, dating back to the end of last season, you know, people have been asking questions here really since the Chiefs game in Week One of, of how this is working. And I don't think it's as simple as it's the coach's fault or it's the quarterback's fault. I think there's a lot of stuff going wrong here, and you're starting to see some tension. I don't think. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have a bad relationship, but I think you're starting to see tension because they just they haven't won two games in a row since last November, I believe. Wow. Uh, no. So, what would you say is at the center of the Cardinals' inability to win consistently or play up to the level of their talent? Because I think in New England we would kill for a wide receiver one as good as as Hopkins is, and he's looked fantastic since he came back. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's air raid system, when everything goes right, seems to work very well. Last year, that offense seemed unstoppable. And at times in recent year, it has. But, you know, dis dysfunction seems to permeate the organization, and it's palpable in both franchises. But specifically, what is getting in the way of the Cardinals being more consistently successful? I think you, you've seen a few things this year. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins has been great since he came back, but he wasn't here the first six weeks, and they could have used him then. And we have yet to see an offense. You know, it's funny. Steve Kime takes a lot of criticism down here, the GM, and and some of it is, you know, some of it's warranted. They, they haven't drafted well consistently, and so when you have injuries, the depth issues become exposed, and they have this year. But he did put together an offense that was supposed to have DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray. And we've never seen them all in the field together at the same time, not once. We just finally saw Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins on the field together in their last game against the Chargers. But Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz are already hurt. So I think that's a big part of it that kind of gets overlooked down here. 80% of the starting offensive line is, is out and, and probably done most of them for the year. So that's part of it. But we haven't seen Kyler Murray take the next step this year. And I think realistically, some of that falls on injuries, but some of it falls on coaching and some of it falls on Kyler Murray, too. And I don't think it's a lack of effort. I just think for whatever reason, it's not all coming together. This team was built to win games with offense and their offense really hasn't won them any of their games this year. So one of the biggest weaknesses on the Patriots defense has been dealing with mobile quarterbacks, guys that can run, obviously Lamar Jackson and then that stunning win for the Bears and Justin Fields kind of breakout game at Gillette Stadium. I know Kyler Murray can run. But it seems like more often than not, it's out of scramble situations. Do you think there's a chance maybe they do what the Bears did and say, listen, these guys can't stop a mobile quarterback. We're going to run Kyler Murray on designed runs, options, things of that nature. Um, honestly, they probably should. <laughs> I don't think that they will. For whatever reason, that seems to be a thing that has gone away over the last couple of years where and it's the great mystery down here. Are they trying to be protective of him? They don't want to run Kyler Murray because they don't want to risk injury. Is there hesitation by Kyler Murray to run? He had a comment last year where he was like, look, my running should be a luxury. It shouldn't be what the offense is built around. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But when they were rolling last year, he was spreading the ball around, but he was also a threat to just rattle off 30 yards at a time on a run if he had to. It wasn't as much as Justin Fields this year, but it was, hey, it's third and 11. Kyler's going to go back to pass. If there's nothing there, he'll run for 14. That just hasn't been there this year. And I don't, I'm sure some of it is teams taking it away and, and, and trying to prevent that. Obviously, we're seeing that, and they're trying to keep him in the pocket. But some of it seems to be more of a hesitation for too much of the offense to center on him running. And right now, that feels like the one thing that teams wouldn't be able to stop. No, the Patriots have had, the the, the in addition to their own self-inflicted wounds from bizarre, if not beyond questionable play calling, to penalties, very un-Belichickian things as we've been caught discussing up this way time and again all offseason. The Patriots have a really hard time with mobile quarterbacks. Belichick really has never been able to stymie truly mobile quarterbacks, and I don't think any one of them has ever run like Kyler Murray, who ran 87 yards on that famous two-point conversion against the Raiders earlier this season. That should throw fear throughout the names of all Belichicks and Pats Nation. And they're tough, and they, they can't really cover – elite number one receivers like Steph Diggs and Justin Jefferson both have grabbed their lunch and sat down in the middle of the Patriots secondary the past couple of weeks and eaten it. And, and, and there really hasn't been anyone to stop them. So perhaps the Patriots might be what the, what cures all the ails of Arizona, but at the same time, what's at the center of this terrible red zone defense? Cause you know, I see, I see JJ Watt guys like Zayvon Collins, who I wish the Patriots drafted Buda Baker is a stud at safety and yet you guys have a dread zone defense. What's that all about? 
Yeah, you know, the defensive numbers for this team have been, I think, in some ways misleading. At the start of the season, everybody's frustration was that the Cardinals didn't go out and add pieces on defense and free agency. And, you know, the front office is kind of like, look, we, we like some of these young guys we have, like Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and, and Marco mm-hmm. Wilson and Byron Murphy on the back end. Right. Um, they've been a lot better than advertised this season, but you're right. In the red zone, they have struggled. And some of that is, you know, you look back at the last game against the Chargers, let's say, for instance, you know, it was it was 24-17 Cardinals and the defense gets a stop and the offense goes three and out. And that happened three times in a row. So by the end of the game, when the Chargers finally moved down the field, the Cardinals last three drives, when they just had to basically run out the clock, three drives totaled three and a half minutes, essentially. So the defense is just, it's it's being asked to do too much this year, and you will see it break down sometimes towards the end of a game, especially especially in the red zone. You're right, that has been an issue for them. So up here, we're obviously calling this a must-win game if the Patriots are going to try to be a playoff team, try to sneak in with a tough schedule down the home stretch. But uh, their struggles so far have brought up the topic of Bill Belichick on the hot seat, You know what could happen in the offseason. And I'm wondering, uh, is Cliff Kingsbury coaching for his job right now? How much uh, rope does he have to work with right now? It, it hasn't been the most comfortable year. We have Cliff on our show every Monday. And, and what you just asked, word for word, I asked him five weeks ago if he felt like he was coaching for his job. And his response was everybody should feel like they're on the hot seat, not just himself, but, you know, his assistant coaches. Uh, he signed a five-year extension, though, this offseason. So you're talking about he had this year plus five more years. So did Steve Kime. Now you talk to the fan base and they're like, okay, that, that shouldn't matter. Look, this team has regressed. Uh, I don't know if, if ownership will feel the same way. I don't know how much of this is Cliff Kingsbury's fault. I mean, he's got to he's got to wear some of it, certainly. But there seems to be this perception it's 100 percent his fault. I don't think that's the case. So I would say, yeah, definitely on the hot seat. I mean, you have Sean Payton talking about how he was a ball boy here in the 80s when they were when the team was in St. Louis and how he would you know people make the connections of what could, could he get more out of Kyler Murray? Uh, that's the biggest thing. Who can get the most out of Kyler Murray? So, yeah, I think Cliff is on the hot seat. I don't. I laughed when people thought he might get fired midseason because that was just never going to happen. But if they really run out the rest of the season, these last five games and only win like one or something, that's a huge step back. I think everybody gets looked at. That'd be that would be really rough. And we're hoping and, you know, wondering if they'll make bigger, big changes, whether it comes from coach, who's the de facto GM and personnel manager or ownership in New England as well. I wonder if the fans really think Kyler and Cliff are the answer. I would say they're split. I would say there seems to be more of a thought that Kyler's the answer. And, you know, anytime anything goes wrong with this team, there's always the perception of, of, okay, Cliff never coached in the NFL, so this is bound to happen. And that's, I mean, there's some truth to that, I'm sure. But the Kyler stuff, it, it's two years ago, it was, hey, this guy was number one pick for a reason. Look, look, he can, when he runs, he looks unstoppable. He can, you know, he's great when DeAndre Hopkins is out there. And now I think there's this sense of maybe 11 wins last year was the ceiling for this team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so are you a Kyler guy? Like we're dealing with the questions here in New England. It's it's yeah. earlier in the career, but everybody was all in on Mac Jones a year ago after his Pro Bowl rookie season. Now you hear a lot more people saying, oh, maybe we don't have the franchise quarterback. The contract was given to Kyler, but we've heard, you know, the work ethic, the leadership, all the various sort of subplot questions about him. Too do much call believe, of duty. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe Kyler Murray's the guy? You know, I, I still think it's possible. I, I wouldn't say it's not possible. The, the Some of the talent that he has, and I don't, I don't want to just forget how last year started. He looked unstoppable last year. But at the same time, now we're talking about last September and October. It, it's been a year, so the, you can't keep riding on that forever. Um, he has the talent when he's rolling to do things that almost no other quarterback in this league can do. You know, he's he's not Patrick Mahomes with the arm, but he's, he's pretty good. And he can, he's not, maybe not, he's not Justin Fields with the running, but he's, he's pretty good. And so when you put it all together, I think they have a tremendous talent. I, you know, I I wouldn't give up on him without seeing if it, if it came down to it, what another coach could do with him. I think you can't just, I mean, they can't give up on him now anyway, because they just gave him a quarter of a billion dollars, (laughs) but I I still think there's something there, but it's been weird this year. The, the sort of hesitance to run, they rarely throw downfield. Like you, maybe they'll make a liar out of me on, on Monday, but you guys watch this. You, you will be surprised how little the Cardinals actually throw the ball down the field. And there's a lot of speculation here that that is Kyler Murray. Maybe he can't get through his progressions in time. Maybe he's not getting enough time. Maybe teams have sort of figured him out. The Rams certainly looked like they had figured him out in the playoffs last year. So there's questions now.
Yeah, both teams had terrible playoff showings last year. Long gone are the days of Mac Jones for Rookie of the Year and the Hale Murray against the Bills. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> a couple of years back. Uh, it's kind of a must-win game. Primetime shine. Monday Night Football, 8-15 Eastern. The Cardinals need to show ownership in their fan base that they can make progress and they have the right guy calling the plays and also executing the plays. And for the Patriots, they need to do the exact same thing uh, for fan base and ownership as well as try to clear a path for playoffs postseason maybe not as likely though you never know in the nfc so luke i know you got to get to your show we thank you for the time what do you got monday night oh boy you know i will say this the cardinals played their best game of the season in their last game so i i i think this should be a close game um boy you know they're at home they have they've won one home game in the last calendar year so maybe that's not a positive i'm just basically giving myself cardinals therapy here on your air (laughs) I will we say I'm trying to talk myself into a win. So I'm going to say, I'll say like 27, 24. Boy, I, I can't see them beating Belichick though. I mean, there's so much more on the line for you guys right now. Yep. So I, I guess I'll lean Patriots. Wow. We've seen a lot of, I can't pick against Belichick and then the other team and coach and quarterback have proved otherwise this season. It's just, <laughs> it's the ultimate snow globe season for the Cardinals, for the Patriots and everyone in the NFL. Uh, He is the co-host of Wolf and Luke every day, 10 to 2 Mountain Time on 98.7 Arizona Sports FM. Give him a follow at Luke Lipinski. You can hear him on the Cardinals postgame show like you can hear your old pals Fitzy and Hart on the Six Rings postgame show on WEI-FM. Luke, thanks for the time, brother. Appreciate it very much, and hopefully we can hook up again in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That was Behind Enemy Lines, and we are now on to Foxborough to talk to Paul Perillo from Patriots.com and give you what's going on with the Patriots. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. And the Arizona Cardinals New England Patriots preview edition of the Six Rings and Football Things. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Podcast rolls on. It's now time to take it inside the walls of Gillette Stadium. Joining us this week, our pal, he is the Jedi Master to Andy's of course, Jedi Apprentice. Notice I didn't go Sith Lord this time because we're trying to uh, balance the dark with the light these days. A little too much dark. We're going to try to keep it light here. Here he is, the original North Shore negative, Mr. Patriots positive sometimes as well. Live from the basement, it's the one and the only Mr. Paul Perillo. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Doing great, guys. How are you? Paul, I should also warn you, we do post some of these on YouTube now. This is something I could have told you prior, but... Uh, so I so should you- probably stop reading my phone now. Don't pick your nose. Don't do anything awkward. Don't take your pants off and get out the Kleenex. Don't do anything of that nature. Uh, great job. Now that you know that, um, I, I texted Fitzy right before we went on, and I said, I got a big picture question topic that I want to drop on both of you. Didn't and I'm want glad he said big pick, not big pick. This is big yes. pick energy right here, big mm-hmm. picture. Um, and and it's, it's a simple one, but I'm not sure it's as simple as it sounds. So looking at it both from a short and a long-term perspective. Do the Patriots have a bigger issue with coaching or talent? Yeah, geez. I mean, nothing like hitting me right out of, right out of the shoot with a good one. Um, yeah. I think there's issues on, on both sides, but I think right now it's a bigger problem with, with coaching. And the reason mm-hmm. that I say that is because I think it's affecting the players. Mm-hmm. I, I think especially on offense. I mean, let's, let's get to the, the crux of what you're talking about. I think the real problem on offense right now, yeah, they could use a a stud receiver. Yeah, they could use better offensive line play. There's no doubt about that. But I think it all starts with the fact when you go back in the summer and we started listening to Mac Jones, I think there was a lack of a buy-in right from the start. There was a lack of a faith in what they were doing. And I think that's permeated through Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, David Andrews, Hunter Henry, you know, whoever you want to include in this offense. I don't think it's the most talented group, Andy, but it's better than this. I saw it last year. It was better than this last year. So I feel like the bigger problem right now is coaching. Okay, so I want to, before Fitzy jumps in, I just want to say part of the reason I've posed this question is I think... It's a podcast, yes. Yes, and we need talking points and, Mm -hmm. you know, jumping off points and all those things, springboards. But also, it seems like there's some, like everything else in this world, there's polar ends of the spectrum on sort of the Patriots, what the problem is, blah, blah, blah. And then a lot of people confused in the middle, not really sure where they stand, what they think, and maybe it varies by by day. And we all know that in the NFL, you need two things, quarterback and coach. Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time is what people tell me. I don't Mm -hmm. agree, but that's a different podcast for a different day. Um, Wow, setting up the offseason nicely. Good job. Have me on that podcast. I'm curious. Happy to. Happy to, but so theoretically, you have me. The, the foundational piece on the coaching side of things. So regardless of his assistance or whatever, you can. But there's also a lot of people that obviously aren't sure if you have your quarterback as he's taken a regression in year two. Yeah. So depending on who you are and which viewpoint you take, both of those things are in question right now. Before you even get to, like you said, uh, could you know? Could they use a number one receiver? Could they use a better offensive lineman? Could they use this? Could they use that? So that was sort of the framework I was working from is, is Bill is not getting any younger. So even if you love him, even if you love him, you don't have your coach of the future. You have your coach of the present right now. And right now, some people don't even think he's very good in that role and should be run out of town and, and fired and on the hot seat and all that. So Fitzy, mm-hmm. now I want your opinion, Mr. Positivity, mm-hmm. this is kind of a negative question, Mr. Positivity's approach to bigger problem with coaching or talent. 
I told you recently that I had redoubled down. So I double double down on the idea of steering right into all Pat's positive the rest of the season. I was going to know my role. I was going to stay in my lane. And uh, so you're going to say they, neither to this answer? They no, no, they, they have both. But right now, I think the bigger issue is talent. I do. I think right now, while the Patriots coaching is at times uh, questionable, if not, dare I say, even ghastly, like uh, it was last Thursday night in the lopsided euthanizing that was Buffalo just sitting on the Patriots for four quarters until we all fell asleep and they decided to give it a final score and, you know, a statistical breakdown. It was a miserable, miserable affair, Paul. And so many of these games, three and three on the road, three and three at home. Uh, we just keep running around the same circles. We keep hitting all the same talking points over and over again. The coaching is terrible. The, uh, the game, offensive game plan and the offensive coaching is terrible. I don't think Bill Belichick forgot how to motivate a group of players. I don't think Bill Belichick's p- disciples and or his sons have forgotten how or are at such a disadvantage that they don't know how to coach up a defense. They should be able to score some points. Right now, I think the team is paying so terribly for his coaching decisions. But above all, they're paying for the sins of the drafts from the mid-2010s up until Matt Groh basically decided to join the party and add some actual talent to the cast. I mean, there's Andy, there's just like, how many times are we going to go over how much and what a difference a Devontae Adams or Steph Diggs or a true number one makes? You know, I, I, I'm, I, I can't, t- how many different L's can I eat on the podcast, on the radio, on my own socials over like, oh, four number two slash three receivers will be better than having a true number one and a couple of threes and fours. Nope. Sorry. Wrong. It, when, when the line play is bad and the coaching calls are questionable at best, there's no bright shining star of talent on either side of the ball, especially on offense that can bail this dumpster fire out at times. Yeah, along those lines, uh, when I was on our station with uh, Mud at Night, he was stunned when I told him that the Patriots spend more money on the wide receiver position than all but one NFL team. And so you talk about issues with drafting. There's Mm -hmm. also the issues of free agency and spending money and why you have second highest paid tight ends, second highest paid wide receivers, and yet we're lamenting you don't have the talent to move the football. But the other reason I wanted to bring this up is because Bill this week, when he got uh, defensive or whatever was sort of doing a, uh, a sleight of hand with the idea of changing the coach to play calling. He said, you know, I think if we just did what we're doing more consistently, we'd be okay. And I mean, can, can they play more consistently? Absolutely. Would the production be better? Absolutely. But I still don't know that it'd be good enough if they play more consistently, more clean. If, if Trent Brown doesn't, you know, cut a guy for no reason and then oh by the way also miss the guy he's trying to cut to sort of compound the issue right does that mean suddenly they're good in the red zone they're good on third down they're putting points on the board like this is there's a lot of holes in this dike and they only got so many fingers yeah and that's the problem is i think i think there's a lot of there's a lot of different angles that you come at this with and none of them would be wrong and i think that's the issue it's like when everything Fitzy just said, I said coaching, Fitzy said players. I don't think Fitzy said anything that was wrong or anything that I would disagree with. That's the problem. Both if you have a legitimate argument is, is, is that it's both. And, you know, I would counter with Fitzy right there and saying like, well, you're complaining about the game plans. So you're, you're basically saying if you had better talent, you could overcome the coaching. That's what you, that's what you're saying. If you had a Devonte Adams, it wouldn't matter that you had a terrible game plan because he's so talented that he would make it work. Um, and, and you're probably right. You're probably right. That's why I think coaching is the bigger issue uh, because the coaching is supposed to make the most out of what you actually have, not what you wish you had. Um, and Andy, I, I'm glad you brought up the the back and forth with Phil Perry and, and Bill Belichick. Mm. I, I actually I, I have a little research. We don't see humble brag. Whoa, we don't do that. Don't Easy show now. off. Easy now. <laughs> I, I, I Warren Sharp? It was really interesting. I thought toward the end, I don't have any numbers. Don't, I'm not okay. going to Warren Sharp. Oh, words. Um, well, stats are for losers, Paul, and you're a winner. So, <laughs> But I thought it was really interesting at the end of, of that back and forth um, with Phil and, and Bill the other day. I think it was Monday's uh, press conference. He talked about, you know, any idea can be a bad idea if you can't execute it. Uh, So if you can execute it, then it's potentially a good idea. If you can't do it, then it's not going to work. If your team physically can't do whatever it is you're trying to do for whatever reason, then it's probably not a good idea. That's a direct quote from Bill. Mm -hmm. How do you interpret that? I interpret it as 
We tried to throw the ball downfield early in the year. We were turning it over at an alarming rate. We can't do that. That's how I interpreted that. That's why the, you want to go Warren Sharp? That's why your ADOT went from third in the league in the first three starts for Mac Jones at 10.4 yards to 29th in the league at six six yards. And so listeners, that is average depth of target. I was going to say, I'm not sure all our listeners are uh, familiar with that acronym. I knew, I knew people, Fitzy would throw it in because he's, people, you know, you know I, I, I pay attention and I love acronyms and statisticals as much as the next super fan. Paul, I want to ask you um, sort of on that track and um, sort of uh, a lot adjacent to what other coaches have said and players have said. Um, it's very strange to hear players not leading an open insurrection or mutiny in the post game and subsequent days thereafter. But when you've got Mac Jones dropping visible slow motion F bombs that go hyper viral night of defeat at Gillette, you've got Kendrick Bourne speaking to anyone with an earshot in the locker room saying, uh, and I think I uh, can loosely translate Bourne. I think he said uh, the game planning sucks. We're not doing a good enough job. Uh, we need to run better plays. Uh, please help get me out of here. Uh, that then in turn, you've got Bill, uh, Fourier says gaslighting. Other people say like Andy, sleight of hand, misdirection, verbal misdirection. And then Troy Brown, who I think I, a lot of us have gotten behind basically just saying like, everyone needs to just shut up and play better. Like Correct. it doesn't matter what the assignment is, whether, whether or not you agree with the play call you like when you're supposed to come out of your, your break X, Y, and Z. Charlie Weiss says, is he in the hall of fame? No, shut up. And you know, right. Like. This isn't shut up and dribble, but I think I like what Troy Brown said. Like, it is what it is. We are where we are. You have to make the best of it right now. So quit complaining. We're almost there. I, I completely agree with that. And that's why I, I I completely accept the fact that coaching is an issue. Like, we can go back. I, I'm pretty sure that we did a podcast in the offseason. And we talked about the structure. And we said, well, I don't see how this is going to work. Correct. You know, so – this is not a, a surprise to a lot of people. It's one of the rare times where the, the media at large got one right. We're almost always get, we get blood by Bill and he's dunking on us at the end of the day. This is one that didn't work out that way, but a lot of people saw it coming. That's an issue. It's a huge issue, but it's not the only issue. And what Fitzy just hit on is, is exactly right. And you left out, you know, the game that they made sure to talk amongst themselves so everybody could hear about how the other team knew their play calls. Because in other words, it ain't our fault, guys. We're not given the, 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 the preparation and the time. We need to be coached harder. We need to be, to be given more tools to, to succeed with. And they're basically like completely putting it all on the coaching staff. I agree. The coaching is a problem, but it's not the only problem. The players are a problem, too. So let's address, you, you can't change the players, as they say, right? They often say it like in the NBA, you got all these guys with like $40 million contracts. You can't change the players, so the coach has got to go. So, you know, one of the topics that the Phil and Bill back and forth came from was the idea of changing play callers, changing maybe some of the uh, lineup of the collaborative or order of operations in the offensive room. And Bill said, you know, you can't make dramatic changes. We're not going to go to the wishbone. And no, Bill, that's you being Bill again. Nobody asked you to go to the wishbone. Nobody asked you to do anything dramatic. You know what we asked? Let Nick Cayley drop the plays and freaking call him. He's right there. He's literally right there. Yeah, Andy, okay. you know, I, you know, I had my wishbone, my wishbone veer rant on the. Oh my god! So yes, that's exactly what I was asking, Bill. Yes, exactly. Jiminy Christmas. Ugh. So why can't Nick Cayley just take over play calling with five games to go? Uh, can Nick Cayley call plays any better than Matt Patricia? He's more qualified. He has um, more experience. He's definitely an offensive coach. Actually, no longer does he have more experience because Matt has technically called plays for right. 12 very mediocre to really bad games. Right. Mm -hmm. I, see, I would wonder if more so, like I know there's been a lot, like Mike Lombardi had the thing about, you know, they're, they're not running an offense, they're just calling plays. And I do think that that's part Wait, of the He issue. said it wasn't the coaching like six weeks ago. Oh, oh now he can criticize the coaching? Keep up with his agendas. Stop. Unbelievable! That guy is the biggest fraud genius. My ass, fraud is the name of the book. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of issues with the offensive structure, and I, I, I you know, I, I think game plan itself. You know, I, I think personally, like I looked at that Buffalo game the other day, and I said, look, I think that they felt like the the Bills would be missing a lot of tackles because the Bills, you know, it says here in this column that the Bills missed a lot of tackles, not taking into consideration that they played, you know, half of their games with like eight missing starters on defense. 
And mm-hmm. they had a lot of those guys back the other night. Uh, so the guys that were missing the tackles were over on the sideline. Um, and so everything was underneath. Everything was short. Like, I don't think that was a great way to go about life, uh, you know, in, in that game. Uh, Matt and, didn't either. Yeah. No, no not, I, 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 this just in. No one did. Sure. No, no one did. Can we touch on that? Like you, you use the phrase Fitzy, uh, not that they're leading an insurrection, but your quarterback. It feels, feels mutiny adjacent. Has, yes. yeah, your quarterback and team captain. Um, it has he, insurrection qualities. He does. Like he, he on sometimes on the surface, you feel like he's saying what he thinks he's supposed to say. But the first person that tipped me off to, to this was Lou, Lou Merloni, who was like, if you really listen to his words, it feels like sometimes he's taking shots. Like he, he goes back and forth in yeah, the same paragraph. Absolutely. Yeah. And even even some of the things he says that you can probably take as like when he says, you know, coaches are giving us everything they got, like they're trying their best. It's like, does he mean that as a compliment or is he saying, like Eric Cartman, sometimes your best isn't good enough and we don't yeah. have the, the horse. Let me like- use Google Translate on that. And it reads, um, yeah, they're not very good and we're doing the best we can with what they're giving us, which is not good enough. And Mac is definitely, look, I mean, just because he had one great college season and a national championship doesn't mean that his pedigree is so great or his resume is so long and accomplished that he deserves to or should be allowed to question every single thing, especially from the genius of Bill Belichick. But like, you can tell that he is a bit of a talkback guy. He is definitely the kind of kid who, when you say this is what we're doing, uh, he would say why, and when you yeah. say because, that's not good enough. Like, and he he's admits not, he, that. I give him yeah. credit. He admits he he he's has said it all along. If you remember during, um, not a lot of people remember this, but there was a thing called Zappy Fever. During Zappy yeah. Fever, uh, wasn't that fun? By the way, can we just give everyone like a couple quick seconds to remember what, what it was kind of like? fun? It was more entertaining than this crap. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, we're moving on. Mac was a, I'm a why guy. As long as I know the answer to the whys, I can go out there and run the play, blah, blah, blah. I know a good play. I know a bad play. And then Zappy, I believe on our station, Fitzy, with with the afternoon show said, I just tell Matty P to call whatever he wants and we'll we'll try to make it work. Like that difference in mentality that, and, and I don't blame Mac. He should question things. He's been a quarterback a long time. He's played, wasn't part of the reason that he was such a good draft pick was that he was NFL ready. He came yep. from a pro program down at Alabama and Nick Saban and all that. Like, well, you can't list that as a positive on one side that he knows the game. He's smart football IQ. And then when he puts his football IQ to use to question you instead of question the defense, you can't say shut up and throw, right? You drafted him to be smart. Like I hear people say superpower, his soup max superpower is his brain and his decision-making. Well, you are effing with his brain and decision-making with mm-hmm. your plays, your play calling, your inconsistencies. I don't fault him for questioning it. He's got to yeah. look out for number one. Yeah, I, I agree with with all of that, too. And and I feel like he was well within his rights to sort of second-guess the plan, just like all of us did. Yep. You know, I, it, I just feel like at this point, you have to figure out what are you going to do? You know, the, the offense is going nowhere. Are you going to try to make the best of it? This is what it is. I mean, this is how it's set up. You're 12, game, you're 12 games in, and it's not getting any better. You're still sulking. You're right, Andy. I mean, I, I just think at some point – Oh, you know better than anybody. Sometimes I was just going to say at some point you have to stop being Paul and you have to start putting your best Paul is the forward. ultimate professional sulker, and well, he's telling Mac to stop sulking. Yeah, and they all need to. Everyone needs to, like, shut the blank up and just, like, it's, it's know your role and shut your mouth time. Like, if ever there's been – and I hate dipping into the – I'll put a dollar in the jar or make a holiday donation. If ever there's been a do your job, whatever that job is, uh, time uh, to adhere to the mantra in Foxborough, n- now is it. And I agree, Paul, like uh, Andy, since you know I always love tying everything into like 80s movies, Star Wars, and food metaphors. Um, okay, let's take food. You know what this let's feels go like? Food. Okay, I'm going to oh, go with 80s. food here. All right. No, I this feels like no, – I get enough this of the feels 80s like, every this feels like I, It'll come up organically, but the deliberate food analogy here is like this doesn't feel like – a well-prepared meal where the appetizer, the salad course, the dinner dessert, and the drinks that are paired with it feels like it was prepared by a chef who knew the journey he was going to take you and your palate on. It just feels like a bunch of different plates coming out of the kitchen. There's no cohesion to this offense the same way there's no cohesion to that dinner that you're like, and we paid $149 per person without gratuity for this crap? You it's lost a mess. Paul. You lost Paul when you said salad. <laughs> Good point. This poor to me. Uh, that, that said, okay, here we are. Um, and and, you know, there are five games left 
and teams like the Jets uh, take one right to the Berrios last Sunday. They should have won the game in Minnesota. Patriots also should have beaten the Vikings, but here we are. And the Chargers keep getting in their own way. And there's a, a chance, you know, there isn't the same statistical chance, but there's a chance the Patriots can carve out a path to postseason. With five games left, Paul, what do you say this team does? And how do you think they should go about it? What, what do I think? The, how do I think they're going to finish? Or? Well, what, what, what do it, you've will watched enough football now to see it? Like, well, well, not just will they make the playoffs? It's, it's like, how should they go? Like, they're not great they on the deep passing. They're they, not, the running game sucks. Right. It's been one of the bottom five in the NFL the last six weeks. How, what, what should they do? I mean, I, I think that you're going to just see a continuation. I mean, I, I think you're going to try to win every game. I mean, I don't think you're like sure. necessarily no. going to take a step back and saying, why are we going to bother? Let's see if we can slide up four or five spots in the draft. No, they're going to go after these games. I just don't think they, they have the horses to do it. I, I look at the schedule. I, I think this game is, is first of all, these two on you know, this road trip are must wins, right? Those are the two yeah, games absolutely. against teams with losing record. You have to, if you're going to be a playoff team, you have to win these two games. I think if they lose Monday night, they might lose out, to be honest with you. I think they're going to be out there together uh, in Arizona, you know, on a three-game losing streak if they lose to the Cardinals. I think they'd be hard pressed to win another game. I think they need to win four out of five to make the playoffs. And so, I just don't see four wins. I have like my trusty magnet schedule right here. I don't see four wins there um, based on the way they're playing, based on the offensive inconsistent. I don't even call it inconsistency because I don't think they've been very inconsistent. I think they've been bad more no often question. than not. So, so one last big, I don't see it. One last big picture question before we move on into a sort of a game preview of a must win game at Arizona on Monday night, um, an interesting theory was posed to me because one of the topics that looking ahead to the off season, which people are already doing in some form or fashion in a lot of places is the question of, will Matt Patricia be calling plays for the new England Patriots in 2023? No, and, no, please. Oh, I'm well, sorry. I mean, it's not everybody. I agree with you, Fitzy. I think it's a hundred percent. He's not going to be doing it, but some people are still very much concerned. And some of those people have this uh, idea that you need the offense to perform really poorly down the stretch, lose out, whatever, so that not even Bill can make an argument that, you know, Matt learned on the job and he got better and it's going to be a lot better in year two, that Bill will absolutely have to move on from Matt Patricia as a play caller. What think you, Paul? Okay. I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. But, like, if they got better offensively in the last five games – why would you be so hell bent on not keeping it like this? Maybe because he... I think it would be luck and circumstantial. I want no part of Matt Patricia calling plays in twenty twenty three. Okay, so no matter what, ha like let's say they scored thirty a game the last. Not five even games. if they win the Super Bowl, I'd like him to win a Super Bowl ring as his only <laughs> year as a play caller, and then get out. <laughs> See, okay, that that that's stupid. That's Andy. That's Andy in a nutshell, right there. Um, I, I would say, let's 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 attack this in twenty twenty three. If it's if it's not Bill O'Brien. Why can't it be Bill O'Brien? No, I'm just saying, what if he doesn't want it? What if he doesn't want to come back here? Who said he doesn't want it? What if he Who? wants to be a head what coach? Are the, what are the benefits? What are the, what are the, the benefits? this is the place to be an offensive coordinator to get back there. What are the true Okay, the benefits are he comes back, he fixes the Patriots' offense. Look at the shine on him. He's here a year or two. He gets he another NFL head, head coaching job. State. And he becomes yeah, the head coach in his home. His dreams of BC no longer have to be part of his picture because he becomes the head coach of the NEP and gets to follow BB. He could potentially yeah. take over for Belichick. He could yeah. also get like eight million a year to coach someplace. Just like Matt Rule was awful in the NFL, and he gets rewarded with a giant deal to go take over Nebraska. Like people are throwing silly premier Division One NCAA money around these days. But that'll but always the, be there. This opportunity right. gives it him should. Mac Jones. If he likes him, I don't know what he thinks of Mac. Maybe he's had conversations with Saban, and he's like, "Listen, that Mac, whoo, what did we get? Boy, you our teeth that one year. Good thing we had great weapons around him. Like, I don't know, but he could come here, rebuild the offense. Gets, I mean, you know how they say you don't want to follow a legend, which he obviously was a head coach. He wouldn't you know, be following a legend in terms of an offensive play caller. The the whole idea is you never want to be the guy that has to follow the right. man. So the you, guy. if you're an offensive play caller, you know who I think you should want to follow, Matt Patricia. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that that you know the bar is low, so you, you you would have success and you would look good. But I mean, what if like uh, the Chargers wanted a an offensive coordinator? If I, mean, I were, I'd only take that as a head coach. What, what what if he is offered the head coach job? Oh, if he gets an I, NFL head coaching gig, then I, I think take I just think there's a lot of places that he could go to make it easier for him to fast track to a head coaching job than New England. 
So yeah. if he didn't, now listen, Herbert's the, the, a good one. I give you that one. That's a, if he gets to go marry up with Herbert, that's a good one. But, but what, what just staying in Alabama? Uh, I uh, Nick Saban seems to turn these goes out guys over very quickly. And they all become head coaches. You, no, yeah, no, and have you ever taken directly. a look at an Alabama message board? They all think that Bill O'Brien is the reason why they gave up 56 points against Tennessee. No, right. I, so, I, I, I think I he's that, gone. That, from that, that's you're going to get that no matter where you go. But right. my my point, listen, if he comes back here, my feeling is it's going to be because this is where he's from. This is home, and he wants to come back yeah. home. And he likes um, us. Well, yeah, I, I actually told that story on the radio yesterday, Andy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Fitzy, he yelled at me and Andy for being negative because we were talking about whether or not the Patriots were going to host the AFC championship game that year. And some of the things that might stand in the way of hosting the AFC championship. That's his idea of negative. Oh man, we need oh, more it refreshing. Hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh, he, was we... very, he was very lighthearted. He was very, uh, right. very much I, having fun with it. Listen, and I also love, like I fell in love with the guy in addition to the fact that he helped uh, Bill redesign or put his spin on the offense by once they got the tight ends going, the Boston tea party in 2011. Yeah. Ever since Brady, when Brady threw that God awful pass in Washington, Miss Tyquan Thornton got picked in the back of the end zone and he and Brady played uh, anything you can F bomb. I can F bomb louder on the sidelines. Like I was like, here's a guy that'll stand up. Now here's a guy yeah. like, like, I love Bill O'Brien for that. No, listen, terrible general manager, pretty good head football coach, excellent offensive coordinator. Agreed he all will around. Come, he will come in and fix a lot of these issues. But the problem is, and, and Paul, I got to tell you, short of a massive talent overhaul, Belichick doing a, a full-blown mea culpa uh, to fans, media, like, and whatnot. You know, Andy always, you know, oh, Fitzy's out in the parking lot talking to the fans. I make a point before every home game of cruising the lots and just like talking to people and getting a feel for what Pat's fans are in tune with. It's, it's better than even the text line or the call. Shut up, Andy, just for one second. I love you, but shut up. Uh, um, and I can tell you like the diehards, the long tenured, the 40, 50 year season ticket holders are pissed right now. They think that they think they are having a big blanket of BS pulled over their eyes and they don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to hear best interest of the football team, smart minds in the room. Everyone should do better. Like they don't expect to be sit, like have their folding lawn chairs taken out of Southie and put on the duck boat parade. They want a competitive team that represents the region and their investment in Sundays, talk shows, and thousands of dollars in tickets. So that competitive team will head to Arizona this Monday night for what Paul Perillo has already dubbed a must win football game. Great segue. And I would actually like to start, Paul, where you finished a little while ago when you said if they lose to the Cardinals, you believe they will lose out this season. A, do you think it's a realistic possibility they could lose to the Cardinals? They're favored on the road. Cardinals are a home dog with a quarterback who seems to hate his head coach and a head coach who might be on thin ice. They seem to be a bit of a, a dysfunctional team and offense in their own right. Is That's this a very losable game? Losable yeah. game? What is yeah. it? Yeah, I, I think if you look at, if you matched up these two teams on paper, I don't think you'd feel really good about it. But I think all of the reasons you said are why the Patriots are favored. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that they've had, they were a mess. I think Kingsbury is playing out the string. I think he's, he's pretty desperate. But at the same time, you're going to feel good if all of a sudden Cliff Kingsbury went and watched, uh, you know, the Patriots uh, during the bye week and he said, uh, huh. When they played the Ravens, they really didn't have an answer for Lamar Jackson, the runner. And when they played the Bears, they really didn't have an answer for Justin Fields, the runner. Um, I wonder if maybe we use Kyle, Kyle Murray as a runner as opposed to just allowing him to run off scrambles. They don't do a ton of design runs. Right. Chicago didn't either mm -hmm. until that night. And, and now all of a sudden, Justin Fields is unleashed. Right. So I, I wonder if Kingsbury takes a step back during the bye week and says, this might be a way to get this offense unlocked. Four games, Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have played together. Don't forget that Hopkins suspended the first six games and Murray missed two since Hopkins came back. So four games they've played together. They average over 28 points a game in those four games. Yeah, yeah. and, and Hop is it Hopkins – What about winning if the, if the Cardinals get more than 28? Nope. Well, let me, let me ask no you – Well, first of all, that historically in the Mac Jones era, uh, that doesn't happen, number one. And number Correct. two um, – you may say like, well, this will be great for the Pats. They'll have had 10 days off to lick their wounds, reassess and get things together after three games in a row, or rather, excuse me, three games in 12 days. Right. But the but to your point, Paul, 
the time off may benefit the Cardinals more because they get to lick their wounds. And obviously there isn't the same kind of high level game planning going and in, gone inside, whatever the hell former university of Phoenix stadium used to be in Glendale, but Hopkins and Kyler Murray quickly got on the same page together. And the two biggest issues this Patriots defense has faced this year has have been a, a running quarterback and B a top, 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 top level wide receiver. Yeah. And the Cardinals present both. If Cliff Kingsbury wants to afford that fabulous house, continue with his uh, Italian loafer slippers, whatever else, and hold on to this job that he just signed an extension on, then yeah, I think to your point, he does take a step back and say, Kyler, I don't care. I'm not going to run you the rest of the year. We need to beat Belichick. It's to Hopkins all night, and when something's not there, run. Yeah, m- Monday night football, you know, you know, everybody's watching. It's, it's a game that you want to put your best foot forward. I, listen, I think that what, what do I think is going to happen? I think probably Arizona will do what Arizona does, and they'll puke on themselves and find a way – to hand the game over, which seems really to be the only way the Patriots win nowadays is when the other team mm-hmm. kind of does it for them. Um, that and, you know, uh, ungodly weather. But, you know, I don't think you're going to have that problem uh, indoors. So, yeah, I, I think it's a game the Patriots can lose, Andy, to answer your question directly. Um, I think it could go either way. I, I absolutely think Arizona has the ability. Their defense is awful. Terrible. Statistically. But they have individual players that aren't like Buda Baker. Um, Excellent. Isaiah player. Simmons, Zayvon uh, Z- uh, Collins. Like they've had individual guys. I mean, JJ Watt's not terrible. Right. No, Justin James is backs. still playing at a reasonable level. But Paul, you do present the worst red zone offense in the NFL against yep. the worst. Like we'll bring our suck to the party. You guys bring your, and we'll see. It may just literally the immovable object. Yes, yeah, it's well, unbelievable. That- worst red zone defense. Um, if the wait, let me let me let me put it this way, Paul. If the Patriots win. Because I know we only have a few more minutes with you. If the Patriots win, who shines? I, obviously, I think we believe if the Patriots lose, then we get Ky- we get Kyler Murray and D Hop to death. But if the Patriots win, who shines? I think it's probably somebody in the secondary came up. Maybe Jonathan Jones comes up with a couple of picks. Maybe Jalen Mills comes back after not playing last week, and he's involved with a double team on on Hopkins and plays better than you think. I think somehow they control. Like because I, I just look at Justin Jefferson and Steph Diggs the last two weeks. I think we probably would have agreed going into the Minnesota game. Yeah, Jefferson will make some plays, but the Patriots won't let him dominate the game. And they did. And then it happened again the next week. So I don't know how you cannot expect DeAndre Hopkins to have a big game. So if the Patriots win, I, I would expect they did something to stop him from controlling the game and maybe come up with a couple of turnovers that way. See, and they're not terrible in the turnover game. They're similar to you, just above in the plus side of the turnover differential. The game that I'm envisioning, because I do think it's it's a bad defense for Arizona, and I think it's a bad matchup potentially for the Patriots defense. So, you know, indoors, points are probably going to be scored. I, I could easily see both teams, unlike some recent Patriots games other than Minnesota where it's low scoring, ugly. I think these probably both teams are going to get into the 20-point total. And, and Andy, at say, time of podcast, sorry to interrupt, but at time of pod, the Patriots are a two-point favorite with an over-under of 44. Yeah, and, and I, that's the kind of game I see, a 20-something, 20-something game. And my issue is, even when the Patriots have scored some points or played relatively well, I don't think they play well with the game on the line on either side of the ball. I don't think they've shown the ability to, like, bow up and make a play offensively. No, actually, you know what they look? More dysfunctional in the fourth quarter and then late in games than they do early in games where they don't know how to get out of bounds, slide, call timeouts, like how to run a two-minute offense. So – I don't know. It's a winnable game, but I also find it very losable because of that fact. If if you get in a little bit of a, I don't want to say shootout, because I don't know that we should consider 20-something, 20-something to be a true shootout, but can they make a play? Can can either side, can Devin McCourty or Jonathan Jones make a play on defense? Matthew Judon, let's throw him in there, because he's gone a couple weeks here without a sack, without getting home. Um, can those guys make a play, or can Mack to Jacoby Myers or Mack to Hunter Henry make a couple plays that that flips the field. I, right. I don't really have a lot of faith with them on, in them with the game on the line. Like if you're in a 24-21 game in the fourth quarter, you're going to feel great about it. No, because that, not. I mean, I, I think that's the they kind get the of better game picker that, too. Prater's like perfect. That's the kind of game you had a couple weeks I'll ago against you. Minnesota, and then you know they they weren't able to to finish it out. The Vikings made all the plays in the fourth quarter yep. that you couldn't. So. I think the higher scoring, obviously, in Fitzy, you had the you know the numbers. They they haven't won a single game when the opponent scores twenty five or more. Like I, I don't know how you can just 
I mean, it's going to happen at some point. That that's that's not going to stay old forever. That'd be weird. But, if I, it did. but I don't know how you can predict it. Like you have to. You know, sometimes you just have to see something before you think it'll be different. Okay, so predict it. What you what do you got? Score outcome. Yeah, I got twenty four twenty Arizona. That's wow. That's it. See how that just rolled right oh, off the tongue this, for him there. He was. Like, I got twenty four twenty Arizona. So if the Patriots started. only score twenty on this, honestly, with this amount of time off and against this defense, the worst red zone defense in the NFL. With the talent they have after their coaches all just said, shut up and deal with the game plan and go out and win some games. Knowing that it's a must-win scenario, Paul, if they only score 20 points against Arizona, the mass exodus, not of pink hats, but of the the diehards and everyone else for the rest of the season, oh, oh my God. So that would just be pathetic. I agree. I mean, well, I, you this is a defense they should score more than that against. I agree. Yeah, but so was Minnesota. They had the second worst red zone defense in football, and you went 0 for 3. And they really only had 23 points in that game if you take mm -hmm. away the pick that set up the field goal. Okay, so Fitzy, what do you got, Mr. Diehard that's about to jump ship? Uh, uh, the Patriots squeak out a cover, 30 to 27. There's, listen to his tone. You don't even believe. I know, I do. I do. I think the Pat, like, I, I've, this is the last time. This is like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, I am just covered in shame, uh, in all honesty. But at the same time, I'll go back to the well one more time. They barely win a shootout. It's the first time they beat a team that scores over 25 points, Paul. I yep. do think Murray's going to point up. I think he's going to give everyone heart attacks. Uh, to the to what degree Pats fans are still invested in this season or see what kind of potential they have, I'm not sure. But I think the Patriots do score a lot of points against this defense and squeak out a win. So this may surprise you. I am going to take the Patriots as well. I am going to say 27-24 Patriots because one simple reason. It's better to have your quarterback yelling at the offensive coordinator mm -hmm. than it is to have him yelling at the head coach and the number one receiver like Murray has been doing in recent weeks. So their dysfunction is slightly more dysfunctional with the game on the line. That's and his F-bombs and, and Max F-bombs were on the sidelines, not in postgame pressers. So. Right. So, okay, you have the slightly less PO'd quarterback who hates his life. Yeah, and I, I do think that's the best thing to pay. This is why, I, like, it sounds like I'm really pessimistic. I am. I, I, I just, it's no, on brand, it, sir. It's on brand. No, Andy will tell you that, that that's a lot of bluster. And, like, it's really not as on brand. I generally think the Patriots are going to win every week. And, I, and Andy will tell you that. Um, You've been wrong a lot lately. Well, you know, I haven't really thought that way this year because, again, I haven't seen it. In, in, unless you see something that changes your your mind, changes your, your thought process, it's hard to just predict it's going to happen. That's the number one thing the Patriots have going for them, Andy, is Arizona's complete and total dysfunction. Wait a minute. Aren't you a good, good like – aren't you a good Catholic, a good good Christian, a good Christmas-loving – isn't faith part of your beliefs? <laughs> I believe. Uh, I know we have to, to sign off, and I wanted to just – touch real quickly back on the offensive coordinator thing. We talked about Bill O'Brien a little bit in Matt Patricia. Like if Bill O'Brien, for whatever reason, does not come back and be the Patriots offensive coordinator next year, yep. who will be the offensive coordinator? Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury is an option. Uh, yesterday, believe it or not, on our uh, we answered mailbag questions, and uh, our third man in, Chris Scheim, said he could see something like a Charlie Weiss Jr., perhaps, if Bill is going to try to grab someone young, still like friend of Belichick in the Belichick circle of trust, but maybe a younger mind who could work within the system. I didn't think that was crazy. I can't see many other options, honestly. Like, it's it's a pretty slim tree because but why? Belichick, it's, it's you have to either be a former player, you have to be a friend of the family, or have the same last name to, to coach in Foxborough. Right. Oh. You have to be associated with Bill. That seems to be the way. Like, I'd love to dream that he's going to go hire, you know, Frank Reich or who, whatever name you want to put out there. Mm. I don't think he does it. The only way that can happen, and I, I probably shouldn't bring this up as we're wrapping up, but, like, then I think you start talking about it's not a Belichick hire. It's a well, craft level. Listen, if, if, if Robert Kraft doesn't step in and sort of ask, hey, what are we doing? It's going to be Matt Patricia. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not going to be Matt Patricia. If, if Bill O'Brien doesn't come back and there's no directive to make a change, it's going to be Matt Patricia. That's how I feel. All right. You feel or you know? Well, you know, I, don't future know. Episode. Okay. I know nothing. I agree. Ah, now yes. it's down in the basement. Look. <laughs> you put him in a jail cell. It's an eight by eight concrete well, wall. Cell. And we all feel like we're in emotional jail this season. And, and on that super positive. Hole this morning. Happy holidays, Patriots fans. From yeah. your <laughs>
We would like to thank Mr. Paul Perillo at tickets for stocking stuff. <laughs> They're going to be real cheap. They're going to be half price, just like Bogart's jerseys. Too soon, Fitzy. Too soon. <laughs> you can follow him at PFW Paul. Listen to him thrice weekly on Patriots Unfiltered, and of course, great pre and post game show. The second best one in town, of course, next to the Six Rings yep. post game show on WEI. We thank you, Paul Perillo. Read his musings, works, analysis, and thoughts at Patriots.com. Thanks for joining us, as always, sir. Happy holidays. Look forward to uh, a robust off-season edition uh, after the Patriots go to Arizona a second time in February. I needed to say that just to make myself laugh. Merry Christmas to you guys as well. And uh, thanks for having me as always. Fitzy, you never, ever fail to disappoint. It just, you always amuse. No, it's you said it right. You never fail to disappoint. All right. Yep. Uh, no, that yep. was a Freudian slip, you son of a gun. That'll do for this edition of Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. For Luke Lipinski, who joined us earlier, for PFW Paul Perillo, Andy Hart, producer Justin Turpin, and your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens, we say good day, God bless, and as always, go Pats. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.